On today's episode, Dave interviews improv veteran Armando Diaz. Armando was the first host and namesake of the improv structure known as the Armando. Armando is also the co-owner of the Magnet Theater, New York City's improv theater venue and school. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. Um, we're here at um, Cat Magnet in Iroquois Springs, right? Iroquois Springs? Yeah, Iroquois Springs, yeah. Rock Hill, New York. And you guys have been doing this for a long time, right? I think six years or seven years. Uh-huh. Maybe this is the sixth year, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you get out of it? Uh, it's a forced vacation. Uh-huh. So it's like a working vacation. But um, Do you take vacations? I haven't. It's been hard to. Why? Um, well, you know, running the theater, um, there's always something to do, and it's hard to get away for more than like a day or two. Right. And... Um, also, uh, when I'm away, I, I just, I don't know, it feels like there's going to be problems. and So you can't let shit go? Yeah, that's... Uh, I, don't mean to, I, I, I don't mean to indict you in that way. No, no, like, no, it's right. very true. Right. Um, and you've always been that way? Um, I guess I'm discovering, yes, I have been that way. Do you want to be that way? I don't want to be that way. What are you doing to not be that way? Well, I've been working very hard to let other people take over things and uh-huh. train people and, and, you know, try and get the theater to be, you know, self-sustaining. Don't you think it is self-sustaining? I think now it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Do you ever see yourself being able to, I don't mean, I feel like I'm attacking you. Do you, do you ever see yourself, um, like, taking a two-week vacation? Or is that crazy talk? Uh, I would love to. Um, um, would you hand me my coffee right here? Sure. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd love to take a two-week vacation. You know, I think one thing about the whole place is that, like, we didn't have a plan, so it just kind of started, and then we figured out a lot of stuff as we went through disasters, and so mm-hmm. we've all been trying to catch up from there, and also we're in a very competitive town, so it, it just, you know, we're trying to punch above our weight. Trying to punch above your weight. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's like things... You know, if if we just kind of relaxed and kept doing what we are doing now, things would be easy and, you know, it would just be a lot less stressful. But there's a lot of pressure to try and, like, keep up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. You know? And do you think that you're doing it? I think so, yeah. Who are, who's, like, is UCB and the Pit. That's uh-huh. the two big ones yeah, right yeah. there. There's the, and so it's the big three. It's you, UCB, and the Pit, mm-hmm. right? And UCB seems to be in a very different atmosphere mm-hmm. it's like the second city of here of yeah. New York right mm-hmm. yeah and them being in that different atmosphere it must be do you even look at them as do you do you, but you, you guys do something so totally different than what they do yeah yeah I don't I think they're an elephant we're in a mouse you know but it's also they're tuna fish and you're a balloon yeah you know Stink. No I'm kidding. Well, you, you, but you know what I mean. Like in that way, they are such a different. They're yeah. different. Yeah, they they got a different uh, approach and philosophy, and and uh, um, I mean, we're all doing improv. Um, um, but I think I think it's this, it's one of those things where I don't think they're concerned about what we're doing. No. And, uh, uh, and you know, and it, and we do our thing, so it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when. So you, the idea of punching above your weight, I like that idea because it's always, it, 
it's a sense that you're moving forward, you're doing, you're moving forward, you have energy behind what it is that you're doing, and there's also something about a strength. You're looking at it from a place of strength. It's not that you're struggling, it's not that you're trying to do anything, because you, you guys, how many students do you have? Uh, hundreds? One, two, three, five. <laughs> five students right five now. Five students right now. Um, hundreds. Do you look at the numbers in that way? I have it. Like, I stopped looking at those. There's, you could ask Rick Andrews. He could tell us exactly how many students we have. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot more than we used to. Right. You know? And now you've got that other space mm -hmm. that you're really branding. I mean, it seems like mm -hmm. it looks really great up there. Oh, thanks. Um, what do you do? What do you do? Because um, I know everything I've read, you know, in regards to getting ready, getting ready for this, is you're being hands-off on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, initially started, I was teaching... I was teaching quite a lot, and then I was trying to direct shows here and there. Um, and um, uh, I ended up doing the bookkeeping um, because we needed to, um, and somebody had to do it. And Did you know anything about bookkeeping? Not a thing. Isn't that fucking awesome, though? Yeah. Did you find that you were enjoying it? Uh, I was terrified it, about it. I was super resentful that I had to do it. Mm -hmm. I hated everybody. Uh, and I just kept on trying to get out of it. And then finally one day I was just like, you know what? Well, let me just totally embrace it and learn it. And then finally it started to now, you know, I feel like now I'm starting to pass the baton on it. But right. all that time I was resisting in it and just kind of like getting mad at the world that I had to do it. Right. You know, it just delayed. Did you ever enjoy it? Uh, I enjoy it now, uh -huh. you know, because um, like once you get in a groove, Every, you know, when everything lines up and zeroes out, you just kind of feel like you solved a Sudoku puzzle. And right. You feel right. good about it. I got to tell you, when I first was thinking about what I do and figuring, not figuring that out, thinking what I do and watching what I do and things started to accumulate of things that I do, uh, the idea of marketing myself became more fun. Yeah. Because then I'm like, I'm proud of doing this. I like what I'm doing. And I'm goddamn good at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I love... Publicizing myself. I gotta tell you, I really like pictures of me. <laughs> They're very good pictures. I take really good pictures of me. And uh, other people take really good pictures of me too. And then I like to put them and, and have everybody look at them. That's great. It really is. It took a long time. Yeah. Your face was refusing to be photographed. It right. was that. A lot of cameras would just explode. But there was also the idea of me looking at me going, who is that guy? Yeah. You know, but now I look and I go, this is who I am. That's this awesome. is what I look like, you know? Uh, because all the handsome people in the world, I would look at them and go, wow, you're handsome. I have to look at you? <laughs> like Corel and Colbert and the, mm -hmm. those hands. Colbert. <laughs> like, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? He's too fucking handsome. Yeah. And sometimes I'll look at him on stage and go, what a fucking handsome guy. He's like the Johnny Depp of comedy. He does seem to be that way. He has this little corner of the goddamn universe. Hmm. Fuck that guy. And his wife? <laughs> have you ever seen her? No, I haven't. She's be described as beautiful uh. and nice. Mm. <laughs> Fuck her. <laughs> I like them so much. And it's Evie. And, and they're just, and you look at them and you go, what a pair. Yeah. What a pair. But growing up in Chicago, most of us there, we, we're not going to be on the front page of People magazine. Yeah, that would freak me out if I were. If you were? Yeah. 
and especially there was no reason. I just like we're walking down the street and <laughs> just on all these magazines. Right. I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want that. Did you ever want that? No. Uh, I kind of don't like attention. Uh huh. It's just. It's I, so funny that yeah. you don't like attention. And because I would think that you would think, I would think that you, had you known that your name, you would not own your name as much as you do. What I mean by that is when you Google your name, you're maybe second. Uh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to the Armando Diaz theatrical experience in Hootenanny or whatever it's called now. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I mean, it's just, again, you know, it's just, I grew up uh, associating attention with horribleness because... It'd be like uh, when I got noticed in my family, it was usually to get punished or mm-hmm. you know something terrible going on. Or mm-hmm. when I got noticed in school, it was to be picked on or made fun of. Right. So. But you get. But after a while, that that happens less and less, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think uh, um, luckily people don't make fun of strangers so much, <laughs> and I don't hang around with people that make fun of me. So. You don't know that. Maybe when you're not around, they make fun of you. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember growing up because, you know, having a big nose and I had buck teeth and I had hormone glasses and I, and I remember just getting picked on so much. And then I remember uh, remin- somehow manipulating it so that I would avoid those kind of people and find our own group. And those are the groups of, you know, the, the, the actors who might have looked awesome, but they were just as fucked up as I am and able to admit how fucked up they were. Yeah. And I love, I love those people. And they're my friends to this day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think improv was great for me in that sense because then I could find those people. Right. Like, uh, uh, in school, you know, for the longest time there wasn't very many people like that, you know? Right. Um, but then, you know, got into college and it was like, oh, okay, you know. Um, this is a different set of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so you went to Columbia. When, yes, I went to Columbia uh-huh. College, and you graduated. I did. Yes, uh-huh. uh, I was a, a film major, so I got a film degree. Great. Yeah. And what do you do with that? Nothing. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, but how does that? Okay, you could say you're doing nothing with it, but that's not totally true. You're doing something with it. What are you doing with it? Um, how does how does how did that inform who you are right now? Uh, well, at first. It, it made me want to do improv because mm-hmm. I liked, you know, I started taking improv class while I was in film school and I felt like I was learning a lot more about life and, and art and stuff like that from taking classes. And I felt like I was like, you know, um, you know, I needed that. Like, because I don't know, there's something about like taking, you know, studying film when you're in your 20s, like, you know, you know, 19, 20, whatever. And it's like, I don't have anything to say. Mm-hmm. I barely know anything about life, you know, and mm-hmm. I just kind of felt like it's like I could learn sort of the styles of things, but like improv was just this great way to kind of jump into just starting to kind of understand scene work and, and you know, and, and what life is all about. And right. so for me, I was just like, I was just hungry for that. And so the film school part of it was just like, you know, it felt a little bullshitty and, and a little political and, and, you know, and pretentious. And I think the other thing was like, I was interested in comedy and, you know, back when I was going to school, comedy was not kind of a valid type of film to make. Right. You know, there was always like this film they seemed like they were pushing you to make, which was this personal journey. Right. This thing of like where you were going to like dig up this horrible secret in your depths and you're going to make this really arty film about right. it. And I had no interest in that. Like, I Well, was even stand, like a stand, stand By Me movie. Would yeah. You, like that sort of thing? Is that what you're talking about? Um, no, kind of more of like a... Um, 
you know, my father raped me. Oh, I see. And I, I see. Not like we found that dead body out in the woods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, this is more like, you know, this, it happened in your own home. Like it was, right. you know, the, the head of the place was like uh, a former therapist or psychologist. And so, you know, I, I, and I appreciate like what he was trying to do that wanted people to go deeper. The head of the film. Yeah. The film right. school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You what know. was his name? Tony Loeb. Uh-huh. Yeah. But they had a big lawsuit between him and. But you know, I, don't, I only read about it in the school newspaper. So, you know, what just happened? I don't know what just happened. Uh, there was information. What happened? What? Uh, I don't remember what it was, but there was like this big, uh, kind of like they got rid of him or something, uh-huh. fired him, and it was like you know, this he ended up suing them for millions of dollars, and and I don't know any of the details. Okay, I'm not asking you to have any of the details. Yeah. Last thing you need is a lawsuit from yeah. Tony Loeb. Yeah, exactly. Right. But he was this guy who was very much into, you know, that type of film. And so, like, he shaped the whole, like, you know, he has to be given credit because um, he was the one who started the Illinois Film Board and got mm-hmm. a lot of productions in Chicago. Right. Got people coming to, like, shoot stuff. So, you know, so he had an impact on, on filmmaking in Chicago. And Chicago comedy, it seems like such a specific thing yeah. to me. The comedy of Chicago, the ethics of Chicago, the uh, the work ethic of Chicago. There's a sensibility there that I that I just absolutely love, and that that has just changed me. I mean, you got to go away in order to to really see it, because when yeah. you're in the middle of it, you're going, well, it's no big deal. But then you go somewhere else and you say, Jesus Christ, I I learned a lot there. Yeah. And the idea of being able to fail is a huge part of that. That I can fail. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, I think that's important, and, and I think, you know, it's just kind of like how a lot of things evolve, you know, the geographical nature of Chicago, where it's, like, really fucking cold, right? and there's not a lot to do in the winter, and uh, there's a certain humility, because it's like, uh, there's this situation that you just get beaten down, you know, like you're humbled by the winter, and everybody's <laughs> right. equalized, and, and, and it's, you know, you can't be cocky. Right, right. I, I love it there, and I think the work I think the work ethic I think the fact that it's so hard to the winters are so, were, were so harsh I don't know if they're so harsh yeah. anymore but they were so harsh that when you when you bundled yourself up and went to a rehearsal and yeah. fucking Jim didn't make it you're yeah. like look douchebag we could all make it yeah. why can't you make it yeah you know um, and then being at I O like you were at I O you were at I O for a, like back in eighty eight. 87, yeah, 88, 89. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And so you weren't part of the Cross Currents deal. No, no. Uh, I got there when they were doing shows at At the Tracks. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and and so, um, uh, yeah, this was a time where it was like Tequila Mockingbird right. and Fish Jay Leggett and, and all those guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Blue McCann. Velveeta, Brian McCann. Right. Uh, Matt Neve. Right. Uh, that was a real, there was so much going on. It was so fucking exciting then yeah. to be there then. Adele seemed to be in his element yeah. at, uh, at, during that time. Yeah, it was fantastic because like, it used to be just three levels. You know, you did Sharna's class, right. and you did Noah's class, and then there was Dell's class, and then Dell was just like this sort of sink trap. Like everybody just stayed in Dell's class, which right. I loved because it was like nobody was just like, oh, I'm done. I don't have to study anymore. Right. And so he went into that class, and it was like, Super scary because you had really awesome people, and, right. and and then there would be people from out of town that might show up, you know, uh, right. 
and just be, oh, I heard Dell's teaching class, so, uh, you know, I'm a professional comedian and actor, but I'm just going to sit down in the class, and, you know, you're doing a scene with them, and right. it's just insane. right. 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 And it's also, like at that time, you're also watching your friends have these amazing successes yeah. and saying, is this what this is like? How people get to be famous? Is it, you know, and, and then you realize, for me, I realize that could happen to me. Yeah. You know, that could happen to me. Not that I have any ex expectations that it's going to happen to me, but, but the idea of, oh, Tim Meadows mm -hmm. on our team? Yeah. Tim Meadows, who is with us? Tim? Really? And I loved him, but Tim, that shocked me. Yeah. I know it wasn't because he was the black guy or the handsome guy. There's another handsome guy. I know. Fuck him. There's another, it wasn't because of that, but he made it. And you go, you know what? This is, this is what I perceive is going to happen is not going to happen. Because I thought that Joe Liss would, would make it big. Yeah. You know, um, you know all, uh, all these other guys that you look at and go, huge people, and you have no idea who's going to be a star. Yeah. I think uh, Malcolm Gladwell does. <laughs> right, right. Well, he, you know, because of the 10,000 hours. Yeah. Yeah, right? He just, he could have picked everybody out who would have become famous. I don't know. Because I had he as knows. many hours as Tim Meadows. Fuck him. I had, I had, if Tim Meadows had 8,000 hours, I know I had at least 8,000 hours. Okay, well. You don't, don't, don't okay me. <laughs> <laughs> but looking at that, you know, in order to be, so the 10,000 hours is really about becoming an expert in something. It's sure, not necessarily yeah. about becoming famous in that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's two different experiences with 10,000 hours because there's that 10,000 hours of love. Right. Uh, and, and that you're like, you're doing this, you love in it, it's loving you back in some way. And then there's the other person that's like 10,000 hours of like delusion. I'm like, I'm going to keep doing this, <laughs> you know? So you become a, uh, what would you say, a, a delusion? A, so you become a delusionist. Yeah. You, you just, become an expert delusionist. Yeah. At 10,000 hours, I'm an expert in delusion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm an expert in forcing myself into this thing over and over again. Right. Well, what's the... What, if it's you, like forcing yourself on a lady. <laughs> right, you can't make anybody love students. you. Yeah. Right, you can't make any... And I know somebody But that, this time I can. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work before, but this time it's working. I know it's working this time. No, but, but that... I mean, in, in, that, in that... When you love something, you keep following it and you're not even counting the hours. Yeah. You know? Because um, I remember sitting in on Dell's... I remember... Well, I... I I skipped Sharna, and Noah was a student of mine, so that just tells you, you know, what was going on then. But I, I skipped Sharna, I went right to Dell, and I, I remember thinking, I am way, I'm way, it's way over my head, yeah. what he's doing, because the improvisation that I had done prior to that were in prison, was in prisons, not me being in prisons, but being hired to work in prisons. So in that way, I'm going, who the fuck is? I didn't know who Dell was. I don't remember how I even made it there. Yeah. Who's Dell? What's going on? What's this show? And then to watch the Barons Barracudas, these guys killed. Did you see those guys at all? Or was I never saw, they were gone by then. You uh -huh, know? Right. Like I think uh, um, some people had been hired off or, or just kind of doing their own thing. Um, but I, I remember seeing the picture. Right, right. And I was <laughs> right. like, these guys must be important. Right, the picture. Yeah, very attitude-y picture. Oh, very attitude -y. <laughs> They're standing there like they're superheroes or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I remember going, did you see those guys at all? No, you didn't see those guys either. Um, I just remember a lot of people being compared to them. Right. You know. 
Yeah. It's like, you should be like them. Like, what are they? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I've said this before. Uh, like, the, you've been to I.O. in L.A., Mm -hmm. And you see the big picture of Dell, the two-stripe picture of Dell, mm -hmm. the mural that they have. And I think people look at that and go, was that from a restaurant that this used to be? Or who is that? And I, I think a lot of people are looking at that. And there's this beautiful painting that I think Mitch Rouse and Jay Leggett used in a movie that they were doing. And it's a, it's a picture of Dell in a suit. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how the fuck would you get that? But anyway, to look at that, I don't think people know who he is. Yeah. I don't know, I think it's like Rastafarianism where they worship Haile Selassie. Yeah, right. And you're like, why? Right. <laughs> He's like, not coming back. Yeah. He didn't do such a good job with Ethiopia. No, he didn't. <laughs> no, my dad was stationed there during the Korean War, and he would tell me about all that. This is during the, the 50s. And he was talking about uh, Haile Selassie, and he was talking about uh, Ethiopia, and the Italians had gotten there. What a fucked up country it was. And then they were fighting with Eritrea. Um, so it's surprising that. People who smoke a lot of ganj would suddenly worship this guy. <laughs> Clearly, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and boy, there was a lot of pot smoking at I.O. too, you know, during that time. Certainly, oh my God, so much dope smoking over there. I'm done. I, I don't know that I'm done with it, but I don't smoke as much as I used to. Do you drink? You drink. I drink. Yeah. Yeah. Much less, more occasionally now. Much less, more occasionally now. That doesn't. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean, much less, more occasionally? Now? Um, Is it much less, less or less more often? Less often. Yeah. Right. Right. Much less often. I yes. I pretty much drink every day. Yeah. Do you think I have a problem? Uh, it's not for me to judge. I like that. Then <laughs> we can continue this conversation. Um, uh, I I well, you look at somebody like Mick, and you look at how his drinking has changed. Well, he had to stop drinking, right? Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of us are. It's, it's weird to watch us all go through this aging together. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, people having kids. Armando, people have children. I know. Some are really lovely people, their children. Yeah, most. Mo well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, so far, all of them that I've met have been great. Okay. So, you know, I haven't. Uh huh. I, 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 because I, I don't have any children, I don't think I'm going to have any children. It's such an interesting thing to watch my, to see Ed and Mel and their kids and to, to see what kind of parents they are and to watch these children just like explode into awesomeness. Do you know Megan Moore Burns and Pete Burns? Uh, I think I've heard of. Okay, so Meg um, couldn't have children, so she had a surrogate uh, and her surrogate was her sister. Okay. And I hope I'm not speaking out of school. I'm telling everybody. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, Meg's sister carried twins wow. for Megan. And these two human beings are two of the finest people. The, the twins are great. And to look at that and go, my God, the world is, is moving forward and, and all these great things are happening. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's hard because it's like, you know, over the years I've had a lot of different, you know, attitudes about it. Like, I love children. Um, and... I don't know, there's just been so much, like, pessimism and doom and gloom about the world, like, in my own head. Right. But then again, it's just kind of like, oh, you know, like, World War II happened, the Depression, the right. Holocaust, and people are still having babies. Right. You know, like, there's still, you know, like, you just, you know, it's never going to be a good time. It's to never going to be. No, it's never you know? going to be a good time. <laughs> yeah. I believe that, too. And it's also, I think that if you're, if, you're, if you're wise and have a child through your wisdom, that is as opposed to, oops, whatever, let's get in the truck. You know, uh, I think that if you have a child in that way, your thought is probably this is going to be a fine human that we're going to produce right now. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is like there's a temptation to look at that child as a project 
you know, to make them the uber you that you were never, you know? <laughs> right. The uber you that you were never. That's a really good <laughs> sentence. Uh, 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 my English good. Uh, <laughs> it's a good sentence. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Like, I, I want to finish myself a little bit more <laughs> before I, I do that. I don't think that anybody that's having a child, though, is thinking I'm finished. Yeah. I think that if you're going to have a child, you're going to go, I'm going to have a child. But I never felt the yearning in my loins that I do for a child in the way that the new iOS 7 that's coming out in the fall, you know, I'm like, now that's something I could give birth to. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I just, uh, you know, if and when I have a kid, uh, I want to not feel completely lost. What do you mean? Lost in what way? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, maybe I'm always just kind of searching for something, you know, uh -huh. like, you know, art and work and relationships. Are you, you know? saying, so, so are, are you, are, are you saying to find yourself more, to be more comfortable with who you are, to be more at peace with the world or what is it that, what is it, what is that thing? I think probably a lot of those things, uh -huh. you know, uh, um, I guess, you know, I come from, uh, you know, my, my family. My sister is getting married for the sixth time in August. Jesus Christ, that's yeah. all? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So she's 52. And, uh -huh. and, and I love her, and, and, and you know, it's challenging. And right. There's a lot of dysfunctionality in my family and in uh -huh. relationships. And, mm -hmm. and, and so, I don't know, I think from an early period, I've had it as a goal for myself to not, like, just get into that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I guess there's just pressure to be like, if I get married and have a kid, whatever, it'll just be once, you know, and, and to do it right. And that's probably, a, you know, that's just crazy trouble. Like, to, like But that's her life, right? That's yeah. her life. That's not your life. Yeah. But, I mean, I see, you know, I kind of see parents and whatever. You know, I don't want to... Well, the only reason I'm saying that much. is, my when I was married, my wife didn't want to have children because she didn't want to turn out... She didn't want to turn out like her mom. Yeah. But two of her sisters, or three of her sisters maybe, had kids. Yeah. And you go, that, that didn't happen for them. Yeah. So it's whatever choice that you're going to make on that. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, you know, so far in delaying all this, like, I feel like I've sort of noticed the ways in which I'm turning to my mom or my dad or both. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've had the opportunity to work on that a bit, and I'm kind of glad about that. Like... You know, I'd love to just kind of keep as much good stuff from them and, and sort of... From them? From get, them. Get as much good yeah, stuff yeah, from them. Yeah, like right. keep it. You know, keep the stuff that's there. Uh, and then the stuff that's kind of not the best, like, at least try and understand it and, right. and not be a slave to it. Right, you know? right. And not and, and when you say not be a slave to it, I guess what you're also saying then is not attach, not, not bring in the past into your now. Yeah. Not bring the, the drag of the past or whatever that baggage is back there into your joy or your life right now. You know well, what I mean? In a way of, of being conscious of it. And kind right. of, okay, well, I'm feeling this way. It, it's a gut instinct. It's a reaction to something like, uh, and I might not be able to completely eliminate, like I'm having fear, or I'm having anxiety. Mm -hmm. I might not be able to eliminate it, but I can get in the habit of going, okay, I'm feeling this way. Let's, let me think about it for a bit. And go like, now i got a choice. Mm -hmm. Do I want to just totally uh, be overcome by this feeling and act based on that? Right. Or do I want to take a few minutes to kind of like reason my way through this a little bit? Still feel anxious, right. but... At least you're being conscious of that yeah. having happened, yeah. right? 
I think that, that that's where the, the what I've been doing over this weekend, uh, this week or whatever, whatever I have this um, amalgam of days, um, which is the name of my next novel, science fiction, the amalgam of days, um, is looking at, um, is is teaching the idea of being conscious of being alive, being conscious of being yeah. conscious. And so in that way, then you could do whatever the hell you want to do with it. But that stuff that you're bringing into your life, are you aware, are, did you put it on the table and take a look at it? And just take a look at it. Don't put it on the table and go, I'm going to dwell on that, or I'm going to dwell on that. Just take a look at it. Yeah. And that's the thing about like baggage, because right. it's kind of like you walk in with some kind of negativeness, like, and then you kind of like, you're bringing that to the experience, and then you're not really kind of just taking the experience at face value. Right. And that could be so hard to do. You know, you get so preoccupied with things. But that's when, when you're preoccupied with things, you're not present to that thing. Yeah. And I know, and the way that I, that I always measure it is when I, when I have a new relationship, and, and I mean, it doesn't happen very often, but I'll have an argument with my new girlfriend, and I'm not having an argument with my new girlfriend. I'm having an argument with my old girlfriend with my new girlfriend. Do you understand? Yeah. I'm bringing the baggage of why do you keep doing this? And she's like, I just met you today. Uh, you, you know, does she pass it on to your old girlfriend? Does she, yeah, she calls because they all, <laughs> it's a group, they get together. Why do you keep doing this? <laughs> exactly. Susan, everybody's Susan. Susan, um, but, it, but it is a matter of going, you know, am I having an argument with you or am I yeah. having an argument with ghosts? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and with, you know, kind of holding off a bit and being able to sort of deal with yourself more. Mm -hmm. I feel like that kind of makes you more prepared to be able to like more fully be with another person or right to be to, with the world. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's like, you know, you have a kid and it's like, I'm going to be angry asshole to my kid. It's because I want to be right. Not because, you know, my dad was. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Right. Right. At choice. that moment, what I'm dealing with right here is right here. Yeah. And it, every every opportunity, I think, is a corrective. Every opportunity to look at that is a corrective opportunity. Sure. You're having a corrective opportunity. Like in the past, historically, because I think a lot of people also say normally I would, but they don't mean normally I would. Yeah. They mean historically I would. Yeah. Because to say historically I would get upset at this right now. And when I say things in that way, historically I get upset at things at this thing right now. That allows me to go, oh, I don't have to get upset at that thing right now. Yeah. And the key, freedom is really just not having to do anything, but choosing it. You know what I mean? Right. Do you mean not having freedom? Is for example, you could be like, oh, I, I need to get, you know, I have to get this part, or you'd be like, you know, it'd be great to get this part. I'm going to do everything I can to get the part, but I don't have to get it. Right. You know. Right. Or I. You know, I need to marry this. I need to be married, or I need to have a kid. It's like, yeah. right, right. Because when you're doing that, you're not looking at process. You're looking at product. And when you're looking at product, you're setting yourself up for disappointment, because that's not what's going to happen. If you say, "I have to," I I have to get married. Yeah. You're looking at married. You're not looking at the journey of. Well, also, you may have the picture of what the marriage is or what the kid is. And it's like, no, this is the kid you had, and this is the kid you got in your head. Right, exactly. You know? Right, right. Same thing with scenes. You know, so it's just like, I got the idea of what the scene's supposed to be, you know, uh, instead of just being like, oh, what's happening in the scene? And let me go with it, you know? Right. 
Right. I think that I've, I've, mentioned, I've been talking about this a lot lately, the idea of every expectation that you have, you're going to be disappointed. Every single one. That's not me being cynical. Yeah. That's me saying whatever your expectation is. It, it's the difference between intention and expectation. Mm -hmm. I have an intention to get married. Yeah. It's my intention. Yeah. It's not my expectation. You know, and if I marry this person, person or Persian, if I even marry this Persian, <laughs> which really makes me think of like, uh, it's a Persian of interest. Hmm. You know, we have this Iranian we're, we're, we're curious about. It's a Persian of interest. Anyway, um, do you want to say something? No, there's a, a, a mosquito. Right. So it's the idea of not having those expectations or having those expectations. Yeah. And the minute that they're blown yeah. to go, oh, that was funny that I thought about having that, yeah. needing that. Yeah, I mean, they're... You know, they're just uh, there, you know, like the expectation might be just kind of floating there, but you're not just holding on too hard. At, right. You know, in a, right. a moment you have it, but then it's just like you're able to just kind of be in the moment and just, you know. It's a practice, though. Yeah, it's, it's hard because... Uh, but it's not hard. At first it is. At first it's hard. It is hard at first, right. Yeah. But once you go, oh, this is how this works, yeah. then you're able to live that part of your life. Yeah. And to have it as a practice. Kind of like active, you know, just being an active slacker, you know. That's a, that's an improv name. Yeah. Team name. The active slackers. The active slackers. Uh -huh. But it is being an active slacker. Yeah. It's like saying, okay, this is here right now. I don't, there's not anything that I really need to do. Yeah. Except to be present to the here right now. Yeah. And to, uh, you know, to be that person and, and, and uh, you know, and, and to act with integrity towards yourself, you know, be true to yourself. And, and what does so, that mean to be true to yourself? Well, that it's like, oh, you know, I like this. Okay, I'll do that. Or I feel this. Or, you know, I mean, like that working so hard to sort of defeat those instincts because you believe that there's these other instincts that are the true ones. Right. You know, and so it's kind of like once you kind of let go, it's like, you know, you're kind of like, you know, loose and, and, and free or whatever. But but you're not like a, a, a passive human because now it's like, oh, great. I know what I want and who I'm all, all about. I'm more settled and I could be very active in, in trying to get those things. Right. But it's easier and it doesn't seem like as much work. Right. I also feel that as I get older, there are certain things that would, in the past, I would say, oh, I can't do that or I'm not supposed to do that. Certainly yeah. I'm not supposed to do that. Yeah. That's for somebody else. That for somebody else. And now looking at going, fuck it, that's for me too. Yeah. I can, I can choose to watch the shows that I want to watch. I can choose to read the books that I want to watch. I can choose to spend the time with the things that I want to spend that time with. And not and, and the people that I have around me are accepting of me doing that. Yeah. As opposed to, really, David? Really? Another bottle of scotch? You know what <laughs> I mean? And I don't mean to say, I'm just using that as an example because I don't want to say porn. Okay. <laughs> Another bottle of porn? Another bottle of porn. <laughs> Bartender, a bottle of porn for everybody. <laughs> I do one impersonation. It's um, uh, what's the? It's it's uh, uh, the Barrymore from It's a Wonderful Life. Lionel okay. Barrymore. Mm -hmm. That's the one impersonation I do. You once called me a warp frustrated old man. What are you but a warp frustrated? That's my that voice. Yeah. That's the only impersonation that I do. And it's a perfect example of what we're talking about because <laughs> you know uh, um, uh, uh, what was the character George Bailey? Right. Just felt like he was a loser. Right. Did I, I might have mentioned this in a podcast, but somebody somebody had this online the other day. Like the person that's the most fucked up person in It's a Wonderful Life, yeah. the person that ruined everything in that movie, Mary. 
Because <laughs> everything was fine until he met Mary. Yeah. And then she fucked it all up. And that's why I'm not getting married. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, I saw that movie. I learned. <laughs> don't, don't, well, what's the point? Did you ever, were you ever close? Were you ever close? No, no, no. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, no, I, I don't I think, uh, Maybe it was like on the road, but not like, oh, uh-huh. this is going to happen in a right. year or whatever. My wife asked me to marry her, and I laughed. Uh-huh. And she cried because uh-huh. I laughed. It's not a good reaction. Yeah. But then I was married for 14 years. That lasted that long. It was nice it for is. a long time, for like 10 years. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know, like, I, I, again, like the whole thing of marriage is just like, um, I love the idea of commitment, and, and and I'm I'm one of those guys who just I'll I'll jump in a hundred percent, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and so I qualify what I'm about to say with that. Um, but I also think like you know, in the modern world, how life has changed so much that um, uh, because there's so many things out there and and. Life is so different, you know. I mean, it's, it's different than our parents or our grandparents, where it's like, well, you know, you're like it was. It's just great to be able to get a steady job and have a house right. and have a family, right. and, and that's just like you just that's it. That's all there's to it. And then right. there's all this other possibility for like self actualization. It's like, oh, I got to write my novel, right. or you know, um, and everybody has that out there, and so it's so hard. Uh, you know, I think it's just so much harder to kind of have like a the one ideal relationship, and and I wonder if maybe there's just too much like pressure and expectation about like can you really find somebody in the modern day that is just so well meshed with your gears? I think that, it's, yeah, that that what you know your gears kind of mesh together, and right. you, you know, and 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 maybe it's kind of like. A different perception of like, oh, well, we don't have to be so perfectly compatible, or, or you know, I don't know, we get into crazy cult, polyamorous relationships. Well, I know. I was just talking to somebody who said where they where they live, people are polyamorous. Yeah. I couldn't do that. Yeah. I just could not do that. You know, for me, I, but I love the idea of it's a new paradigm now. So that which yeah. which, which was, I mean, my grandparents were married for sixty-two years. My grandmother, my when my folks were getting divorced, my grandmother, my father's mother came to my mother and said, "Joe, I've been married to your father-in-law for sixty-two years. I haven't been happy one day, <laughs> but we did it for the kids." And my mom went, "Ma." Ain't gonna happen. <laughs> so the paradigm has changed over and over and over again. The expectations of that have changed over and over again. And I believe you're right because you know the woman that I'm that you know the, the the woman that I'm seeing now. I'm looking at going. Uh, I'm looking at thinking, um, what what is this? And and could I live with this forever? And forever, whatever that whatever that would be. How different would this be if I married her than it would be in my marriage that ended in divorce? Yeah. And what is it that my that I want? But it goes back to expectations, doesn't it? Yeah. Well I also think too, you know, it's like uh in the past, you know, being much younger, I would expect you know, I'd be like, ah, if I could just find this person, they'll save me and they'll totally like make right. life great. And, right. And then it's like, no, I gotta save myself, I gotta make myself happy. Right. And mm-hmm. It also makes me go like, you know what? I want to find somebody who is happy. I don't want to find somebody who's like completely a mess and, and, and you know, is expecting me to make them happy. Right. 
I mean, I could do a lot, but like, uh, um, but like, essentially, you got to be kind of happy, and you, you know, you have to have some stability. You, know, right. you can't have a total disastrous life, you know. Right. Um, and in the past, it seemed like there was a romantic notion of like, oh, I'll hook up with somebody who's got a, kind of a similar kind of crazy, and we'll both be crazy, and <laughs> you know, we'll just kind of have crazy fun adventures, <laughs> being crazy, you know. <laughs> Any word that you use that often, you're asking for trouble. Yeah. Right? It's going to be crazy love that we're going to have yeah. with crazy people and crazy times. And then you're wondering, how come I'm at the emergency room all the time? But yeah. Like, you know? Well, now my fantasy is like, I'm going to meet this reasonable person. We're going to be reasonable together. We're going to have reasonable fun together in moderation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And to go, you know what? That drama that I thought when I was younger, that drama that I thought that I could deal with. Yeah. I could deal with it, but I don't have yeah. to deal with it. And it goes, and for me, it goes back to what I talk about in, in, in improv scenes. If there's that lady in your improv cast that you don't like, don't play with her. Yeah. And if you look at somebody and say, red flag lady, red flag lady, I can't be in a cast with her. I can't fix anyone. Yeah. I can't. I won't. I will, if, if, one of, if there's a student and I look at it and I go, I know what your impasse is and I am going to guide you to that revelation that you have to eventually finish yourself. But I will guide you to that. I made two people cry today. I told you that in class. Yeah. Yeah. We're friends. That's good. Yeah. I think they'll still be students over at your place. I don't okay. think I ruined it. But... Um, I, you know, reaching these people to a point, and then the entire class, it was really great because the entire class watched this thing happen yeah. and watched this, this person break down and then watched her get her shit together and have this fucking breakthrough. Yeah. It's so beautiful, but that's so hard to do in a, in a, in a, in a romantic relationship. Yeah. Well, you don't want to teach the other person while you're in, you know what I mean? Like, because you can't be, you know, okay. Do that again. <laughs> right, to your, you know. to your spouse. Yeah. I like what you did there, but to do it again, I want you to come back into the house, <laughs> and I want you to put your keys down over there, and I want you to walk past me, turn around, <laughs> and then jump on me on the couch. Yes. <laughs> right? Um, I don't want that relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's no fun, you know? Right. I also don't want the relationship that's, that's, that's everything's rosy and happy all the time. Yeah. Because I feel like I need... I feel like I need the reality of the world in order for us to really know each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's that thing of like, it's, it's, if we all just kind of lived on a mountaintop and everything was peaceful, it'd just be boring as hell. It would be. You know? Um, but the point is, is that it's like, we can start to kind of have moments of understanding and peace, but we're in the real world and, 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 and so that's kind of like, I guess the healthy thing would be like, oh, yeah, we get to live and we get to have the struggle and we get to have the hardship. And that's the actual miracle of life is that, you know, we get this video game that challenges us. We've got all these levels to, you know, like once it, you know what I mean? Then it's like yeah. boring and bullshit or whatever. Right. But um, you don't want it to feel like it's just like you're just never getting anywhere, you know? Um, and so I think it's just some kind of balance between the right amount of resistance and challenge. and Right. You know, and I think, you know, in a good relationship or good performing relationship, it's like you're individuals and you got your differences and your tastes and whatever. You work well together. Like you're able to kind of have a good rhythm, but you're not so predictable. You know what I mean? Like like that. It's just like you keep getting on stage with that group, but 
you still find that there's exciting moments. Like right. It's just not like, oh, you're going to go be this guy and I'm going to be that guy. And uh, right. And all of us who are in it for the long, who have been in it for as long as we yeah. have been, we know, like I look at the group Stacy's Not Here, that was Pete Garden and Pete Marietta, uh, D. Ryan, uh, Evan Gore, um, Teresa Mulligan and I, like that group that we were with, we were we were together for like twelve or thirteen years. But there were always everybody would be watching each other for that turn that we never had, and we would yeah. jump on that sort of thing. So it's the idea of your mate or your partner for you to be watching them to get excited for what it is that they yeah. do. And they have to be excited themselves. Like it's like, you know, um, that they all have you know fairly healthy life, but they're still interested in life and right. still interested in, in you know uh, having things happen and so when they you meet each other at the end of the day you got something to talk about and right that, you know oh I know that I know that I had a long distance relationship and it uh, you know it's like uh, and Susie Nakamura says there's no such thing as long distance relationship it's just a relationship and at the end of the day you get on Skype and you go well how did it do and I remember Katie and I were apart for a year and a half we weren't separated, which is the part she lived in Chicago, in LA. And I would talk about things like, I got this coupon and I went to Safeway and I saved, you know, a dollar. And she'd be like, are you really talking about this right now? Are we really Shut talking up. about Fuck up, you really <laughs> did that? <laughs> really, that happened to you? Hold on! Uh, no, but it was that, at that moment you go, these are the little mundanities of life that I, I need to share this with people. Yeah. I need to share this with people. It's, it's, so, it's so interesting to have a new relationship too. To be involved in that and to go, okay, what is this person? Who is this? Yeah. Right? Ugh. Why do we keep doing it? I don't know. Um, but again, it, it is like, why do we keep doing improv scenes? Right. You know? Uh, because it's this paradox of like, you can be wise enough to have enough knowledge of like what will probably happen in an improv scene. You right. Know, like, <laughs> right. You see right. enough, you know, like certain shapes, certain, you know, Things that occur you've seen that are similar. You know, same thing with relationships. Like, oh, okay, well, this is the phase we're in. Now we're going to start learning about the weird stuff that you do. <laughs> you know? I know. <laughs> this like, is where you share things that you nor- that two weeks ago you would not have shared with me. It's like, you yeah. don't want me to make toast for some reason. Like, right. Right, know, right, right. Don't use the toast. Okay, why do you have a toaster? Don't right. use the toast. I don't know. <laughs> Just, you know, um... Uh, I mean, so you could kind of be too wise, you know, like too too smart, you know, mm-hmm. be a wise guy, and you know, and so I don't know if you could still kind of be naive, like the same thing we get up on stage. It's like you're still a kid, right? You know, you still have some wonder, um, and and hopefully you could do that same thing with a relationship, you know, or right. just. But I think if you kind of take away the artificial pressures and expectations, which is hard because it's like, you know, the more ambitious, you are, you know, because like for me, it's like. I got a busy schedule and, and I, you know, you know, I need to make sure I got to sleep and I get to work and blah, blah, you know, and like, and, and so it's like, if, if I'm going to be with somebody at this moment, we better have a good time and this better right. be awesome because it's limited and, you right. know, and it's like, it's hard not to have that in, in, uh, uh, you know, an adult life and, and, and an ambitious life, you know, and so I think it's harder with performers and, and people in, in creative industries because it's like, you got this extra career or this extra relationship you got to maintain, which is your own career. Right. You know, so that now you got four people in a relationship if she's doing something like that too. Right. And, and so that time that you spend together 
there's so much more pressure on it. Where... Well, it's sort of like saying we're gonna have, we got to have a good scene. Yeah. We're going to have a good scene, and you go, Jesus Christ, is that what we're focusing on right now? Yeah. It's a good scene. Can't we just be right now? Yeah. Yeah. So my strategy right now is just to be totally defeated. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, okay. All right. I'm... So when something does come your way, you're like, what? A dollar coupon? Yeah. Yay! Ah, oh, I gotta put this in the safe. <laughs> one dollar, might... one dollar, have babies. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never see another coupon again. <laughs> God is my witness. All right, let's be done. Okay. Thank you so much. Armando Diaz, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to turn this off. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrosowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.